This is Tales from the Pros, where business leaders and influencers share their struggles, successes, and inspiration. And I'm your host, Michael Giorgio. Hey everyone, this is Michael Giorgio, co-founder of Imagine Ovation, based in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's Friday, exciting Friday, thank God. Actually, no, I love Fridays and Mondays all throughout the week, but... Um, I have a very special guest here today on Tales from the Pros. His name is Jim Tobin, CEO of Ignite Social Media based in Cary, yep. North Carolina. Yep. And also president of Carousel. Jim, thank you so much for being with Pleasure. us. Pleasure. Really Glad appreciate to be here, Michael. It. Yeah. Awesome. So I know that you've worked with, uh, you know, some top brands. Mm -hmm. uh, Ignite's worked with like what, Jeep and Dodge and mm -hmm. Procter and Gamble, ConAgra, Nike. Nike, Samsung, Microsoft. Yeah. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about Ignite. Kind of how did what motivated what motivated you to start Ignite? How sure. did you, you know, did you always see, see yourself as an entrepreneur, being in social media, or did you just no. kind of see an opportunity? How did it happen? Well, so for about fifteen years, I wanted to start my own thing. I just never knew what that thing was. And yeah. then, sort of separately from that, I was working at a sort of mid-sized regional ad agency. They're fairly common. There's ten thousand of them or so. And um, I had had a really good two thousand five. Everything we pitched, it seemed like we won. And then I had a really bad 2006. Everything we pitched, it seems like I lost. And so with the frustration from that, you know, I'm the same guy selling the same product, but all of a sudden not doing well. I got frustrated and I started looking around and playing with stuff just to sort of distract me and have a new thing. And, you know, at the time, uh, you know, 40-year-old guys were not on Facebook, right? And, and so I was discovering this <laughs> social media world out there. And I realized that it was a thing and that people at the time, you know, two, three million people were gravitating toward it and that brands would eventually need help. So then I started searching to say, well, who's helping brands do this? And there was one social media agency up in Canada. There was none really I could find in uh, North, in, uh, sorry, the United States. And I thought, well, here's an opportunity and to help brands do social media marketing. And so hung on a shingle, figured out how to do social media marketing. And that's one of the reasons we were able to work with top brands. We were one of the very first in the, probably yeah. the first agency in the country created out of whole cloth to do nothing but social media marketing. So you got in early. Got in early. That's awesome. Well, cool. for the first six months, I would vacillate between we're way too late. There's all these people who know social media better than I do. They've been blogging mm -hmm. for six years or something. Yeah. And then we're way too early. I mentioned blog to a client and they looked at me like I had two heads. So, you know, it turns out six months later, we realized, okay, we were about the right time. But, but day to day, it, it didn't feel like perfect timing a lot yeah. those first couple months. So was it, I mean, was it easy to engage, to get these larger brands attention doing social media? I guess it was in trend. There was a huge need for it. Mm -hmm. It was booming at that time, mm -hmm. right? So did they see, was it, I would say my question is, was it easy to get their attention or was it still, did you have to do a lot of, I mean, did you have to do a lot of like unique different sales approaches, lead generation approaches, no, tactics? No, we didn't. In fact, we've never had a salesperson at Ignite and we, we didn't have any lead generation tactics. All we did was wow. create a blog and start writing about social media marketing. Man, that's awesome. And, you know, we only had three people. There was myself, Lisa Brazil, Gene Smith, all of whom are still in, you know, on the same team together. 2007 or 2007? 2007. Okay. And uh, we just started blogging about different things about social media. Gene, the tech side, Lisa, community. I don't remember what I wrote about, but, um, yeah. and, and when you only have two or three people, you don't have to make that much money to survive. And so when we won, we got a, a real opportunity with Nature Made, uh, the vitamin company in uh, like about October, 2007. And we went out to pitch that and we beat Ogilvy, the big ad agency. Yeah, I've heard of them. Oh, we yeah. beat their incumbent PR firm. We beat other people and we were shocked. And that was a it was a five hundred thousand dollar budget in two thousand seven, um, okay. which is really progressive for a vitamin company to be kind of leading the way that way. And uh, we shocked ourselves by actually winning that when we had three people, and so oh. we grew to eight people pretty quickly. And then um, I got an email from somebody at Microsoft who said, "I've been reading your blog for six months, and now I need some help." And for the next two or three years, we ran social media for Microsoft Windows. So it just kind of rolled. Like Gee, that. that's pretty amazing. Well, we had a couple things. One, the timing was good. Two, we worked hard to optimize our site for the phrase social media agency before okay. anyone else cared about that phrase. So we have the oldest links, we have the oldest positioning, and to this day... They found you on Google and yeah. SEO. Yep. Well, they found blog posts, they found those things, but yep. if you Google social media agency to this day, we'll yep. still come up number one, maybe number two if we're having a bad day, um, but we'll be right at the top. And so our thinking was you can't call people up and say, do you want to buy you know, social media agency services for the next three years? But <laughs> if they look for even a minute, we were very visible. Yeah. And do you get these larger brands by, is it just a... 
uh, kind of like, do you get them on contract for like a year or two, or is it more month to month, just based on performance? How does it kind of work? How's your model work? Yeah, it varies. For, so typically, uh, particularly early, it was like social media AOR kind of stuff. So a year long contracts were typical. Yeah. Um, and of course, we've tried to renew for multiple years, and and often did. Um, and we would at the time we would do all because people didn't have social media agency people in house. So if you wrote back to Windows on Facebook, our team was responding, and that's still true of some major brands today. But more and more as brands have bought, brought social media expertise in-house, we sort of wrap around them and we'll do either the analytics or the media buying or the content creation or that community management, whatever the case may be. And the industry generally, the agency world generally, is moving to more and more um, project-based work. So if we're running pages, that's generally an ongoing relationship. But when we might be hired to do a burst of content as a project or to do a strategy as a project, and that's just mirrored the whole industry changing to more project based over the last decade. So it wasn't like a bundle of services. So you wouldn't like, a you know, a Lowe's wouldn't come to you and they say, hey, listen, we're looking for content. We're looking for for social. We're looking for, you know, would it be bundled and everything like backlinks? Or it, it would be. It would be. So they would come <clears throat> and typically say, here's what we're looking for and here's what our budget is. And we would give them a, a package back where we'd say okay yeah we can do this much content or we can check your page every hour or every four hours or mm -hmm. you know whatever sort of the service levels are but then we package it up and divide it usually into a monthly fee based on the total scope of work that they came back and, and requested and part of it is figuring out what's the best use of their money because mm -hmm. um, nobody has enough I mean we work with large brands and they don't have enough nobody has enough to do everything they never they have enough no. <laughs> And so, so it's easy Never. to say, here's 20 things you can do. It's easy. Yeah. Saying these are the three you need to do first, that, that's a little bit harder. Yeah. No, I, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy. I mean, social media is evolving. I, I mean, it's like I, 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 yeah. we, keep, we have to keep up with it. I mean, this is the reason we're doing this podcast yeah. or another, you know, kind of uh, strategy that's, that's in trend. Yeah. Um, video, uh, another, you know, another, tap, another uh, strategy as well. Um, do you guys incorporate any – do you think social media is moving towards a lot of – more do you think content like written content still in trend or do you think it's moving towards video obviously you know podcast work yeah. so what, what yeah, are your really, thoughts on that it really depends on um, who you are and how you sell and how you're discovered is is i think the more important thing if you want to talk about trends video is obviously way ahead of of written long form sort of blog content but mm -hmm. The search engine optimization of that content is still really strong if you are considered purchase if people google to find you if you're like skittles Nobody's Googling what candy should I buy, right? No, so it's very different, different. Yep. You know, in that case, you're more likely to do video in part because the platforms are favoring it. So YouTube is a search engine if you want to think about that sort of video, mm -hmm. but also um, the engagement rate or the, the rather the reach of video on Facebook is about 10x of a, of a text post, maybe 20x in some cases. Yep, so yep, yep. as long as Facebook and Instagram and these others are going to favor their algorithms toward video, then video is going to be in style because it's going to drive certain kinds of results really well. Yeah, it captures. I mean, that's one of the reasons you know our company does does video aside from like web and mobile development is it helps to really capture the attention a lot longer and much quicker. Yeah. Um, but that's why you need to make sure that the kind. It's all. I think it's a lot about the quality of content, right? You can do some video, but the video could be the 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 context of the video may not be quality. It may not be. Right. You know what I mean? So I yeah. think it comes down to the quality of the content, the delivery, the. Yeah, and it's, it's it's really what do you have to say, and whether it's interesting or not. So we yeah. did a we did a Google Hangout with um, Ram Truck engineers, the guys who, who decided how the truck in the pickup truck wow. um, was, was going to be. And I believe they had switched to Cummins engines or away from Cummins engines. I can't remember right now. But in that space of passionate truck drivers, that was a big deal that these guys had just done. And so we just sent them up in a Google Hangout and let them talk. It wasn't wasn't highly produced. Mm -hmm. In fact, your setup here is a little more advanced than what we had at, at, for that. But the people who cared about that topic... They were really engaged and firing questions back and forth, and then you turn that into a, a, a YouTube video that stays longer for a search engine. So mm -hmm. it's the quality is not necessarily it can be production quality if you're doing something for like Nike, or it can be this person talking really knows what he's talking about, yeah. and therefore I'm going to stay engaged. Do you think it's so? I mean, you, you already told me how you 
got these big brands' attention. You were early in the you know early adopter in the market, right? You mm-hmm. kind of entered the market very early, which is which is great. Um, so you don't really have that much competition at that time. Obviously, now it's pretty. It's pretty much every agency on the planet yep, has competition they, uh, now. A yeah. lot of SEO agencies claim they can do mm-hmm. uh, PR social firms, media, digital firms, all of them. Yeah, but I love it how you guys are. You kind of niched out to just social, mm-hmm. right? Or do you still do you do SEO? I know it goes hand in hand a little bit, but it goes hand in hand a little bit. But we don't do SEO the way most people think of doing SEO. Right. So rearranging people's web websites and you know do you use subfolders or you know that, that kind of stuff what are your meta what's your meta, meta tag, title tag all that sort of stuff and we don't do paid seo you know what what link what clicks are we buying uh, for what dollars and how do you optimize that we don't do any of that so there is a really strong correlation in both google and bing between content performance and social and content performance and search okay both search engines say they don't look at social signals um, but the correlation is strong and I think the correlation is strong because good content does well in search and good content does well in social. So you guys also reach out to like third parties. Uh, so for example, getting yourself on Venture be on Mashable, mm-hmm. on Entrepreneur. So not, not from like a PR standpoint, but we do a lot of influencer marketing. That, that's what I mean. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Because the thing is what, you know, what we've discovered as well is that when you, so a company like you, when you're working with a brand like, like Jeep, I don't know how many exact backlinks they're going to need because they're kind of mm-hmm. already a brand. Right. I guess it would be very, like you said, it comes down to the type of or a type of company, type of brand you're working exactly. with compared to like a smaller business. A smaller business is going to need backlinks. They yeah. need to establish credibility. They yeah. need to establish their Google juice, right? Exactly. So, so Jeep, yeah. Jeep never once talked to us about SEO. Yeah. You know, they're so, <laughs> they're Jeep. They're, they're a legendary brand. Yeah. That, you know, they, they rank well for their own search terms. With Jeep, it was more about inspirational, aspirational content. It was about, you know, keeping the Jeep um, community excited and, and bringing new people in who want to, to, to ride a Jeep. So it was to drive a Jeep, to own a Jeep. So it was more about um, excitement, inspiration, aspiration than, than for them, SEO. But yeah, younger yeah. brands, um, it is a factor. And, and one of the, it's funny because Pinterest now is an SEO play. Um, Pinterest switched from uh, the the like button and the share button or repin button to just the save button. And the engagement rate on Pinterest just in the last six months has plunged. I mean, it's down like 80%. So people aren't hitting the buttons as much, but it's a fantastic product-oriented search engine. When you're looking for products or you're looking for inspiration like cooking or fashion or those sort of things, it is a visual search engine. And so we think of Pinterest very much as a search engine. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I can. So, for example, like if you're gonna work with uh, HGTV mm-hmm. or like the Food Network or something, Pinterest mm-hmm. would be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Because it adapts that platform. Their audience is there, so you're exactly. gonna find different strategies to ensure that you're engaging their current audience and bringing in a new, uh, increasing their audience. Exactly. Right? Okay, yeah, and it, that's it. one of the reasons we formed Carousel in 2015. Carousel's only influencer marketing. Okay. And so it's it's a way for brands to um, get their message out through through these third parties. Because a brand can say anything it wants on Facebook and Twitter and all those sorts of things. And with the targeting that those platforms have now, they can reach audiences that aren't fans pretty effectively. But it's still them saying it. And what we're doing with um, Carousel and with influencer marketing is we're having other people talk about the category. So beauty, fashion, food, lifestyle, technology. And they talk about that category, and then the brand is sort of interwoven throughout, fully disclosed, you know, hashtag ad kind of stuff. Um, and now they're reaching people in a way that the brand cannot do on its own. They just physically cannot do it. So they're reaching new people. They're reaching it in a different way. They're reaching it with that third-party credibility. Um, and, you know, then with Carousel, certain pieces of content do better than others, and we make sure those pieces of content get in front of the right people. Mm-hmm. This might be kind of a tough question, but what do you really consider, what what social media strategy do you think is the most effective? So such as, do you think like posting on Facebook or Twitter or writing content or like, what element do you think is, holds a, a like a more of a weight? Mm-hmm. Like what, what do you think, what's been working? What's, what's in trend? What's kind of heading? Yeah. What's the future? Well, right now, trend is clearly video. I mean, it's clearly yeah. video. It's working really well for people. But what we always tell our clients is take a step back and figure out um, who's your audience and, and how deeply can you understand your audience? Why do, they, why do they buy this computer versus that computer? Why do they choose a yep. Jeep over a Dodge? Whatever the case may be, how much can you know about them? How much can you understand them on a three-dimensional Consumer level? Consumer behavior, buyer analytics. Exactly. Yep. And then how do they use social? Um, are they on, are they older, are they younger? Are they Facebook, are they Snapchat, all those things? And then you gotta factor in, what are you capable of saying? 
Mm-hmm. You know, if video's on trend, but you're not capable of producing video content, it doesn't really matter that it's on trend. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, completely counterproductive. Yeah, the yep. investment can be so high, particularly if you're a Dodge. The videos you produce are really highly produced, mm. which because they create an impression, right? But those are really expensive. Yep. So you're not going to do a daily YouTube show, even, <laughs> even if With it's Dodge. on trend or yeah, live Instagrams all the time. So you have to factor in all those things. What are the platforms doing? What's the social sort of norms on various platforms? And then what's the brand have to contribute? to the conversation whether that's adrenaline stuff like a red bull information maybe on a, on a tech uh, you know for a computer site or something um, so really what can you contribute and then put those two things together mm-hmm. i know you mentioned before you don't you guys don't do pay-per-click marketing right okay. correct so just from unless it comes from social we, we do click optimize social okay so versus it, like reach optimize versus do you do like facebook paid campaigns mm-hmm. okay so that, that that's perfect so basically my question is is how do you feel do you feel that pay-per-click is kind of taking over organic social so you know when you you know let's just say you're you're a small business you have no money mm-hmm. and you're like you know i want to do things organically i'm just mm-hmm. gonna do a lot of posts create you know, little videos mm-hmm. you know uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, iphone videos and all that and and just kind of do a lot of blogging things that are just free mm-hmm. um instead of putting in you know a 10 20 spend per day or 100 right. spend per day on facebook right. that does reach a, lar- a larger audience and i have noticed that facebook you know, has changed their algorithm. A lot of things are very different with yep. Facebook lately. They want to make money since they made they, they went public. Yep. So they're really um, they're really trying to leverage their paid platform. But do you think that's kind of taken over organic? Because yes. isn't it harder to yes, organically? Yes, it has. Huh? It has. Yeah, yeah. My, my I've written two books on social media, and the second one was called Earn It, Don't Buy It. It was all about the power of organic mm-hmm. social media, and it came out. A month before Facebook changed the algorithm. So wow. don't write books about social media. It's just not a good idea. So, <laughs> Changing um, too much. Yeah. Yeah. I've got hundreds of extra copies if you want me to bring them to you. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, at the time, you could reach, on average, a, let's say a million fan page or above would reach about 16% of their fan base. Mm-hmm. Now it's about 2%. And that's up from about one and one and a quarter percent, um, in part because of video. So now it's about two percent. So every million fans you've got, you're going to get twenty thousand of them to see something. So it's really, it's really not a great use of, of spend. And at the same time, you know, Facebook's making billions of dollars off of advertising. We had oh, yeah. one client get a billion and a half organic impressions before the change. A billion and a half in one year. It'll never wow. happen again. It'll never happen again because Facebook looked at that and said, "Why would we let them do that? We, you know, how much a, you know, how much a billion and a half impressions is worth? We can charge for that." And so the whole game changed. And so before, regardless of what size of business you are, before you put ten dollars a day or ten thousand dollars a day behind Facebook, it's like, well, what's this going to? Is this going to be a success for you? And mm-hmm. how will you know if it's a su- success for you? So if I'm the local dry cleaner and I make most of my money because I happen to pick the place right next to Starbucks, you don't need Facebook ads, mm-hmm. right? And if, you have, if you're selling those little fidget spinners that are going to be popular for two months, you better run some Facebook ads. Yeah. you got to make money right now. you got to drive to e-commerce. you got to close the deal. you got to ship that fidget spinner off from China. you got to get in. you got to get out. So depending on what you're, what you're doing... Um, Yes, you need to you you need to very much consider paid. But what we do is a little bit different than most people. Most people have said organic is dead. Forget. That's not right. Yeah. Organic, I don't know if you're a Princess Bride fan, but organic <laughs> is only mostly dead. Yeah. And so the difference is that it's somewhat alive, which means what we do is we look at a piece of content, how it's performing organically. Sure, it's only reaching 2%, but they're a focus group. And if a piece okay. of content A does way better than the normal content we're sharing, we put money behind that. Because if you run a magazine ad or a banner campaign, you pay the same amount whether your ad's good or not. Yeah. On Facebook, you pay less if you have a good piece of content because it, it, it just goes on its own, right? People mm-hmm. sharing it and commenting and engaging on it gets you additional spread. And so we call it organish because we're, we're I like looking. like that. Is that your book? Yeah, no, <laughs> it is. We did trademark it though. Um, if you, organish, I like organish, it. Organish, it's organic-ish. So if it does well organically, then putting money behind it is much more efficient than just blasting money around every single post. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can really exceed your spend yeah, you in really a minute. Can yeah. Very, very quickly. I mean, yep. they'll take advantage of it for sure. Because especially some people, they'll forget on the paid platform on Facebook, they'll forget to, to put like an end date, when to finish the campaign, and it just continues to be 20, yep. 10, 20 a day. You're like, yep. 
five thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> my reach is like a hundred thousand. I, I got no conversions. Right. And that's crazy. Right. So what do you? What do you like? What tactics help to actually get a return on investment for that for that brand? Um, obviously, user engagement. You know, um, interaction. But how do you? actually how do they get a return if they're not selling a physical product like e-commerce well it, it, facebook's done some good things so when facebook started push advertising i and many others were really against what they were doing but they've done some really good things with both targeting and, and increasingly attribution and so we have a retailer uh, that's a client um, they have i don't know maybe 50 stores or so and they're in various locations, and so we can do a couple things. Of course, we can measure um, from Facebook to e-commerce, but we can also now measure Facebook people who came into their store. Okay. And that's through a Facebook um, integration with their point of sale um, systems. And so yeah, PLS, we can tell yeah. they saw this post, and then within X number of days, they were in the store buying something. That's pretty valuable. Yeah. Um, and so increasingly, attribution is going offline. Um, we can track mobile devices and see who saw a piece of content on a mobile device and then did that mobile device enter a store. That's not what Facebook's doing, but that's another way to do things. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's getting more and more interesting being able to attribute um, offline and online. But in certain cases, what we've done when you just can't measure that is we, we say, okay, how are you measuring your SEO spend, your PR spend, your TV spend, your, your whatever you're spending your marketing dollars on? How do you know if that's successful? And they probably can't mm -hmm. measure it all the way through to the sale either. And so then we say, okay, well, then what, what's success for all these other things? And one client said, well, if they get to this page, this page, or this page on our website, that's a success for us because then they have some interest in buying and they may be going into the store and buying it. So, got it. Okay, great. How many people did social media send to those pages? And we're able to look at that and say for X number of dollars, we sent Y number of people to the pages and you spent A number of dollars and you spent B. Which one's more efficient? So you can look at sort of those proxy variables of who's driving what. Mm -hmm. um, and often when you can measure that, often social media comes out really well. Yeah, that's cool. So you you guys probably have, your agency probably has a lot of analytics people. I we can have, imagine. We have <laughs> some. Yeah, we, we have our fair share. And they're really smart and they know how to do things in Excel. Yeah. I have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> I, I, I still don't know what VLOOKUP does, but it's in everything they do. So You're not the only one, man, because I'll tell you, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, what are my developers doing? Like, what are they? But yeah. I don't manage the tech yeah. team, so I'm like, I manage the sales and marketing. So that's cool. Um do you what platforms do you think we have to really be on the lookout for? I know we're hearing a lot about Twitter. Do you have any mm -hmm. thoughts on Twitter? Uh, any? Twitter's in Twitter's in trouble yeah. for a lot of reasons. One of which is so they have about 300 million monthly active users. They've been stuck at basically that level for a year or so now. Wow. But a billion people have tried Twitter. So that means 700 million have tried it and walked away. Mm. So it's not just saying to people, try Twitter, try Twitter. They have to get people to try Twitter again. And they think of Twitter however they think of Twitter from the experience they already had. Getting 700 million people to come back or even a quarter of them, that's a, that's a big challenge. That's a, that's a really big challenge. So mm. um, the other data I saw recently is that Twitter used to be, I think, the second most popular platform among teens, and it's down to about fourth. Um, and Snapchat. Snapchat, I was going to say, take to Instagram one. taking over. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Insta's, Insta's done really well, too. So, um, you know, that's that's a problem, too. The cool kids aren't, aren't on Twitter. Um, it's hard to get people to come back. Um, they've got mm -hmm. the bullying problem. They keep trying to deal with the bullying problem, but it's really yeah. easy to bully on Twitter. And yeah. um, it's, a, it's a challenge. Uh, it's very, very saturated, right? It's just a lot of content everywhere different topics different it is it, you know, it can be really good like i follow mostly people who talk about social media marketing mm -hmm. i've been on twitter since 2007 or 2007 i think maybe eight and and i built my list on people who talked about what i did for a living and so it can be a fairly handy source of information that way but to get if you're a new person and you sign into twitter and you don't have anyone you're following mm -hmm. and to figure out who do, who talks about what i care about you know that, that that's, that's a lot that's a big commitment yeah, yeah. Uh, what are there any platforms that we really, other than I mean, I think LinkedIn, LinkedIn's booming, very, very good. LinkedIn's B2B, done yep. very well. YouTube, obviously. Yep. Um, Facebook as well. What other ones do you think 
kind of other than the current ones, we know Snapchat's really good. That's for a younger audience, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Instagram, I guess, kind of a, a little bit of a, a mix, young and mm-hmm. I mean, I know I know people over it's, in their twenties and thirties, forties that are it's moving using, older, yeah, yep. yeah. But any other platforms, like I know there's you know Medium, but that's a little more content side. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a biggest <clears throat> the biggest trend that I think affects Reddit. marketers now is. Um, private social. So um, Messenger, Snapchat, all of these apps that you communicate with very discreet friend groups. And so that's not the public social media that we grew up with 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you think about it, in 2007, when I could do a post on Twitter and and, and or, or blogger.com or WordPress, mm-hmm. whatever, and I could publish to the world, me, little old me, that was revolutionary. Now I have three daughters, 18, uh, 18, 17, 19, 17, can you edit this part out? They're about 18, 17, give or take those ages. <laughs> um, and you know, when they were coming on to, to be old enough to go onto social media, they um, pretty quickly realized that being able to publish to the world was not an advantage. That when mm-hmm. they published to the world, mom or dad saw it and said, take that down that publishing it wasn't magical to them like it was magical when we first got to do it and so to them snapchat and picking this message goes to this six friends this message goes to all my friends but my friends are carefully curated you know that was a real advantage to them to be able to communicate with just those people and so as marketers we were able to on facebook and on twitter and on instagram and all these things sort of inject ourselves organically originally and now organically and through paid and now these <clears throat> these conversations are private mm-hmm. and so chatbots are one of the answers to that chatbots yep. how do you integrate with chatbots yep. um, but it's 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 a very different game than the one we started playing a decade mm-hmm. ago yeah, yeah. And I think there's even some social platforms for podcasts now. It's really mm-hmm. evolving, isn't it? It's pretty, it is. pretty crazy. And we did our first podcast for a client in maybe 2008. Um, and uh, it was for a movie thing. We got to talk with Ewan McGregor. It was kind of cool. Wow. Um, yeah. And um, and it just didn't seem like it was going to catch on. I mean, I was watching podcasts sort of on this level for for years and years. And just the last three years or so, it's, it's, really, it's really hockey sticked up as it gets you know, bandwidth and memory and streaming and all those things can, came together pretty mm-hmm. well finally. And finding podcasts, that was that was a hassle until recently. Now it's pretty easy, right? <laughs> now, now it's pretty easy. Yeah, it's cool. Good. Um, what, so what are, what's really the future for Ignite and Carousel? Do two different futures are on the same, both in the same path? Two or? different futures. So um, the reason they're, they're two companies is one is Ignite's providing services like, a, like an, an agency model and Carousel's selling um, almost based on results. And so we sell it as a package and for X dollars we will either guarantee you impressions or we guarantee you clicks to your website or we'll guarantee some result mm-hmm. um, from it for X number of dollars. Um, for Ignite we'll guarantee we'll work on your stuff. And we, it's very hard to guarantee results when you're going to edit hard. everything we do or what, whatever the case may be, yeah. right? So they're two very different business models. I think the future for Ignite increasingly is wrapping around existing teams. So people are bringing social media in-house. However, to be good at social media, you have to be a good writer, photographer, videographer, media buyer, data analyst. Like, social media is not just one thing. No. And so, um, you know, you may have a, a great person or two in-house that can do two of those things really well, mm-hmm. but how do you do these other things? And so increasingly we're wrapping around, we're consulting, we're teaching how to do and moving on to the next person who needs to be taught. Those sorts of things I think is the, is the future for, um, for Ignite. I think for Carousel, the future is, is more and more of these sort of performance-driven models. So if I can tell you, uh, and we're doing this with some large brands right now. If I can tell you for X number of dollars, I will send 12,000 people to your website and you'll know who they are because we've tagged them on the way in and you can tell if they perform at the same rate as your others or better or worse, you can really calculate how many times you should buy that again. Um, yeah. And then it's just buying it over and over again and it's buying a package. And um, you know, really, it's a very different model. Over here, we're selling time, which has a value. Okay, I was just going to ask, we're selling results. Yep. yep. Gotcha. How do you, but don't you find it very challenging to sell results? Is it a little bit, it's kind of scary? Because sure. they'll hold you accountable, right? Sure. I can yeah, imagine well, we're guaranteeing it. Yeah. Yeah. So if we hit, if we run into a problem, all of our profit goes out the window because we have to, we, we promise we have to keep going until we hit it. And so all uh, of our profit goes out the window. Yeah. So, wow. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of risk, but what most influencer marketing does right now is has 
we hired some influencers, they, they posted, and mm-hmm. look, we got all this content. Look at all these posts, and it reached X million people. This is not sophisticated enough in a digital marketing world where I could tell if a cell phone exposed on an ad walked into a store, but over here I just know an influencer posted. That's not good enough, and that's what almost everybody's doing in influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. We're saying we're going to get those. We're going to figure out which is the high-performing content, and then we're going to optimize it until we guarantee this result. I think that's a little bit more interesting, and you know, you know, particularly if you know you're going to put fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars toward this campaign. Yeah. The, the, over here, you know, traditional influencer, we're saying, well, maybe something good will happen, and what we're saying is, we will get you X number of thousands of people to your website, or we'll get you this many impressions, or we'll get you this many pieces of content, or we'll get you whatever you whatever you're driving for. We'll deliver a guaranteed result for that. Do you, this seems like you guys are targeting more, I mean, I know you work with some of the top brands in the world, but do you ever work with smaller companies or local? Or is it... Not so much local. There will be huge challenges with that, yeah. with that right? Because they're, they're expecting something very quick. They don't have yeah. the, the budget to continue like Jeep or, or Lowe's. Right, <laughs> right. Know? Yeah, so it, it's, not, it's partly budget, but it's also... Um, the cost to do anything, let's take some, the cost to write a blog post is the same whether your readership's global or in Raleigh, right? Yeah. And, but if I'm writing it for the world, I have a much better universe to amortize that cost across than if mm-hmm. it's just in Raleigh. And so um, we're working with a small company right now called Mia Miley. They make um, baby uh, carriers. You know, you put the kid in front and you carry the, your oh, kid yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. But theirs is different. It's got a little seat. And so the kid's not like squashed up against you. The kid can sit on the hips. The hips are proper and, and all that sort of stuff. And so they're a small company, but people are having babies all across the world. And we can drive traffic to a particular e-commerce site to buy these things. And we're seeing results very, very quickly on that. So it's, it's a little bit about size of the uh, the customer because of some budget levels, but yep. it's much more about can you amortize this across at least the entire United States or the southeastern United States, somewhere big enough to make the investment. So you're sense. you're definitely analyzing the potential of that smaller business. Yes. For sure. You're not yes. just being like, oh, it's some, some pizza shop that, you know, that just opened. Right. Is, is well, running a social media campaign. I mean, Unless people, you see they're very different or they're... Yeah, I mean, yeah. people come in and say, do a carousel program for us. And we've said, no, like we don't, we don't see, think we can be successful. We can't yeah. find influencers to write about that or we can't find you know we can't syndicate it in a way that's going to get you any sort of results so sometimes mm-hmm. you just have to walk away from it that's good definitely you guys you guys know who you are well <laughs> you know what you want. we're still doing social no. media only a decade later and yeah. i don't know how many conversations i've had saying you know when are you going to broaden out to build websites when are you going to broaden mm-hmm. out to do this and it's like i don't know how to build websites better than the twenty thousand other agencies who build websites so i do know how to do social media better than all of them so good. when you need help with that that's what we're here for so yeah. um that's that's why we get hired today is people say yeah my, my pr firm did this for me or my digital shop was doing for me mm-hmm. and it just wasn't mm-hmm. working yeah yeah you, you notice there's a lot of agencies or this like go-to agency mm-hmm. or this me to agency they can do websites mm-hmm. mobile apps all types of development social media yep. seo content yep. it's way too much it is um, and you know that's the same thing with my company we're like you know what we used to kind of do some marketing before we're like you know what this is we can't we just can't afford to hire account managers and right. social and all these people so it was just like, you know what, we're going to focus, shift our focus. We're a technology company. Stick yeah, to that. And yeah. it's been working. So, Absolutely. Because, you yeah. know, when particularly as people, if you're going to be one of those big do-it-all agencies, yeah. and there are some, they're owned, they're owned by about five different, there's only five different companies in the world that own these agencies now. But you have to have thousands of people. You have to mm-hmm. have a group of mm-hmm. people who are good at all these things. Yep. And then if you have that, you have to have a way to get those people to actually work together on clients, which is often a problem for those big agencies. Mm-hmm. So it is not, it's not easy for anybody to do everything. It's, everything's getting harder. What you do is getting more complicated. What I do is getting more complicated. To assume we could all do what everybody else does and no. keep up with it. I think it's very important, especially you know if you're starting any type of business. I think having I was talking, uh, told you I was talking to like Scott Wingo. He said mm-hmm. the same thing: have a focus, mm-hmm. really focus on that, know what you want, have a passion for it, and just work it, yeah. grind it out, work hard. Um, so I know you mentioned some challenges earlier. Uh, you know this. We talked when you first came in here. I was talking about how hard you know it is to mm-hmm. just own a company, right? So what were some of the the biggest challenges, struggles that you had starting Ignite and Carousel? Probably more Ignite because you've been around for over ten mm-hmm. years now. What were some of the, the struggles that you feel that you or well, you know you overcame, but that can be kind of inspirational to others? You know, because sure. it's, it's tough, man. You know how hard it is for a lot of people. Yeah. And what really, what's some of the biggest struggles and how did you really overcome them? 
Um, I, two come to mind. One is that social media has changed so much. We've had to reinvent ourselves as a company three or four times. When we started doing community management, Facebook didn't even have brand pages. So, I mean, there was no place for a brand to have their own real estate on Facebook. So we had a person, Nature Made Lisa, we called her, who went around and talked to people about vitamins and made friends with people on all these platforms, right? Very weird now, but it was the only way to do it at the time. So, uh, and then organic was the thing, and now it's paid, and, and it, we, our community managers used to have, just have to be good writers because all the updates were text, and then suddenly photos, and then they moved into videos, and those are, those are really different skill sets. Yeah. So having to reinvent yourself um, has been a challenge in social media, but I think it's a challenge for most companies mm -hmm. and one that maybe because they're not in something like social media that's changing so rapidly, they don't, um, they don't appreciate how much things are changing around them and they don't work to actively reinvent themselves. So one of our core values is always learning. As soon as you think you're an expert in social media, you're wrong because the next day something changes. Changes, yep. And so... <laughs> We have to be not the one, not, um, I heard somebody say this the other day, and I really liked it, not know-it-alls, but learn-it-alls. And, you know, just keep learning all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lesson for everybody. I mean, if you're, if you're in retail, you're competing with Amazon, even if you weren't three years ago. So mm -hmm. how are you reinventing? You know, those sorts of things. Um, so being willing to reinvent. And if somebody's going to take money from you, it might as well be you. In other words, if I invent this, it's going to take some money from this. Yeah. That's okay. I still get the money, right? And that was one of the reasons we created Carousel, too, was, well, there's a whole different thing we could be doing, but it doesn't quite fit this model, and it comes out of different budgets for brands, and mm. it's bought in a different need. Well, we can do both of those things, and so yeah. we ended up creating a second company. So it's a little bit of, all right, how should I be doing it tomorrow um, mm. sort of mindset. I think that's one. The other... Um, you know, we grew very quickly. I mentioned we won Windows when we had eight people. We won uh, Bing when we had 15 people. We won Chrysler Group when we only had 35 people. Um, and then we, we grew to over 100 people. And then three years later, we lost Chrysler Group. And I had you you lost what? Chrysler Group. Oh, Chrysler. So Chrysler, oh, wow. Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Fiat. All went away. And I had to mm. tell 50 people uh, one day that they didn't have jobs anymore. Yeah. And I learned a couple lessons about that. One... Um, is there's nowhere to hide when something like that's happening and to try to be as candid as possible. I mean, we told people the, the day after we got the news that our contract wasn't being renewed, we told them. We said, we don't know what's going to happen, but people will lose their jobs. We don't know who. We're going to figure it out as fast as we can. Mm. A few days later, we had conversations with everybody. And then we, we put out um, to all the other agencies in town, invited them in to interview our people. And we gave a $5,000... Um, uh, sort of warranty to each person to bring the interviews that said we guaranteed that if you hired them and you got rid of them in the first year for performance or character issues we would pay your company five thousand um, dollars and that will let people say no my company believes in me they just lost a big contract yeah here's a guarantee if you hire me and we gave that to every single person and it never it was never redeemed um, but it gave them the ability to say, no, yeah. it's not me. It's they lost a contract. And so I think being we ended up being on CNBC talking about that. And you don't want to be on CNBC talking about a contract you lost. But mm. it, it worked out really well for a couple of reasons. One, I've gotten business since then of people saying, I remember you did that. And can we talk? But but potentially more importantly is we've hired nine or ten of those people back over the years. Um, and the fact that they would come back was you know, to me, the biggest compliment they could give. They well, yeah, showed here. a lot of loyalty. You, well, you mean, <laughs> yeah, they walked. You know? They they worked here. They they left, and and then they were willing to come back. I mean, that was yeah, that was really important to me. So you want to hide under a rug when a really bad thing happens to your business, mm -hmm. and, and believe me, you really really want to hide under a rug when you have to let go fifty people in one day. But sometimes um, you have to scale back. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's how it is. It's it's a service business. Yeah, yeah, I, so, I completely understand. That's that's pretty. That's definitely a challenge. But it seems like you guys are better for it, right? Tra yeah, yeah, I mean, transparency is, is uh, it's a word people use a lot. And it's not, I didn't go into this saying, hey, we got fired, let's go be transparent. Yeah. Um, but it ended up that we, it was a pretty public thing and we ended up being pretty transparent about it. And the news picked up this $5,000 guarantee thing. And 
we just went with it and it was the more noise we made about us losing a contract the better it was for our employees and the better it was for us mm-hmm. how did you when you did you know i i know after you lost chrysler you, you said you um you had to let go of some people mm-hmm. but then you kind of rebuilt mm-hmm. a little bit and we uh, launched carousel five months later as well yeah. there you go yeah so how did you really manage your growth uh how did you guys scale accordingly what did, what did you do because you know that's a big big challenge after you get yeah. past the startup phase after the first two three years then you're kind of transitioning you're growing you're, man- yeah. you're learning how to manage employees it's not yeah. just you and your partners anymore yeah. um how do you really manage that growth what did you guys do it was tough there's some there's some good research out that says you know team communication changes above 40 people and changes again above 100 people mm. and in my experience absolutely right at those numbers um and you know when we were stressful. eight people it is stressful <laughs> yeah. we were eight people we'd sit around a table like this and everybody knew everything and we'd all grab something and we'd go and mm-hmm. we had this get it done mentality um, it's a little more difficult when you break 100 people to, to do that and you yeah. need to put processes in place I was a guy who hated process just grab documentation it. Right? documentation yep. Yep. process it sucks <laughs> sometimes yeah. but. but you know I had a, a, a <clears throat> A consultant a coach and she was trying to teach me this way of, of, of leading and she said okay give me an example of something that has to be done and I said well we have to launch this by September 25th or something mm-hmm. and she said okay um, and how and what needs to be done um, by this day to make sure you're ready and by this day to make sure you're ready and by this day and I was like oh god this is so exhausting to have to think this through and she said no what's exhausting is waking up on September 25th and it's not done that's exhausting. Yeah. And you know, and and ultimately she was right. It was if I think through what I need to do at each stage, then I'm going to know early if I need to adjust things, yep. and I'm also going to know how to do it the next time. You know, by this day you have to be here, by this day you have to be here. And that was um, really eye-opening. And now Carousel, Ignite started out, I actually said to the team, nobody ever say the word process or I'm going to smack you. And by carousel, is before we even open the doors to clients, we're like, what's the process? How's this work? How's this flow? Yeah. And, um, and it, it's, it's been really helpful. Never wait, to, never wait to strategize payroll three or four days before. No, that's probably not a good plan. <laughs> never a good idea. No. Believe it or not, I, I know people who have done it. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So always, always start 15, 20 days before even the first, even the first of the month or the next month. You know? Yeah, yeah. We, so, we've, been, we've been fortunate in that regard. Service-oriented business, you really don't have to hire people before you have the work. So it's not like a, a tech company where you're building something for two years without yeah, yeah. revenue. Um, but, but yeah, when, when I realized we had hit a decade, I was like, you know what? We never missed a payroll in 10 years. Never even particularly came close to a payroll, miss, missing a yeah. payroll in 10 years. That's, that's a good Pretty feeling. Pretty amazing. That's yeah, a good feeling. Yeah, that's cool. And you guys got Social Media Agency of the Year 2016? Yes. Social Media oh, Agency of the Year 2016. Off, yeah. yeah. And then Carousel was named Small Agency of the Year of any kind uh, wow. for 2017. So that was kind of a good, good two years. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty great. Uh, so it seems like you guys have all your ducks in a row. You have successful companies. Well, I everything's, can, everything's I can great. certainly make it sound that way. Mm, seems like <laughs> it. But um, what, what kind of what inspiration would you give to future entrepreneurs in terms of basically what really what character traits do you think someone needs to be considered a business leader or entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that they have you're going to have certain character traits that makes you an entrepreneur or yeah. do you think you can kind of get it later or well i think you can get it later i i yeah. woke up a couple of years ago when somebody else called me an entrepreneur and said really because i just wanted to be a marketer and the fastest way in this one case was to start my own company the other people come out of this that's way. exactly how it with me yeah yep. but other people say i want to be an entrepreneur what what company should i make that's not me, right? <laughs> I'm a marketer yeah, yeah. who had to have an agency so people could help me do what I wanted to do. And so what I realized when I realized I guess I am an entrepreneur was that a couple things about entrepreneurs, people say that risk, um, the entrepreneurs are just somehow more comfortable with risk. I think that's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. I have three kids, I have a mortgage, I'm not comfortable with mm-hmm. the risk. I'm comfortable with uncertainty. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what change is coming in the platforms. I don't know what change is coming in the industry. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'll figure it out. And so I think being uncomfortable with uncertainty and with being able to, to see the future. Some people are not comfortable if yeah. they don't know what's going to happen for the next two years. Um, so I think being comfortable with uncertainty is big. And how you handle it. Too. And how you handle mm-hmm. it. And I think um, uh, also, um, gosh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Being, unco- being comfortable with uncertainty and always learning. I mean, mm-hmm. whenever I 
I go through cycles of reading a lot of business magazines and books and things like that. And then there's times when I feel like maybe I know it all and I slow down on that. (laughs) And and that's when I really stop moving the ball forward as quickly. And so um, I'm learning things from all sorts of business um, reading that has ostensibly nothing to do with what I do for a living. Hmm. But all business is, can you get customers? Can you support those customers? Um, can you get leads and can you convert them to customers? So it's all, you know, it's marketing, it's sales, it's fulfillment, mm-hmm. it's uh, finances. Um, yes. It, it's just four or five key things regardless of what you're selling. And so being able to take, to absorb all this information and then say, I'm going to take this nugget out of this and this nugget out of this and I'm going to apply it to what I do. Um, if you're not willing to always be learning, you could be successful for a year or two, but you're, you're not going to be around a long time. Not, not when the world changes so much. Yeah. And do you feel that entrepreneurship is really changing in our country? Do you think, do you feel, I always ask everyone this, do you think that it's easier to have a startup now mm-hmm. or harder? Easier. Easier. Tools. Yeah. I mean, opportunity. Yeah. you want to take a credit card. It used to jump through 20 hoops to be able to accept credit cards. Mm-hmm. I could leave here and before dinner and be ready to accept credit cards. So, um, you know, there's so many more tools and everybody's competing with everybody else yes um, and that's it's a big mess and and big messes are opportunities for little guys to come in and, and, and bite off chunks and just a few chunks can be a good business from, mm-hmm. if you can take it from these big guys so I think it's easier than ever um, um, and I, I find it personally interesting when I was in college 108 years ago these are entrepreneur <laughs> classes like you didn't go to yeah. college to become an entrepreneur and now I went to Duke. Now Duke, they have a big entrepreneur thing like every other school has. Mm-hmm. And kids are coming out saying, I want my daughter. I want to be an entrepreneur. And that's so weird to me. Um, it's it's gr- changed it, so it's much. So, it's oh, so yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It, it's so, but if you think about it, it's like, it's so saturated though, right? It's like everyone and their mother has a startup and has a business yes. and has, but in a way it's opportunity. It's pretty, I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good, yes. definitely a good thing. Everyone's, they're showing the, the no one's afraid to be innovative or creative. And I think yeah. that's, that's definitely what's going to um, make a, a positive impact in yes. the world that keeps them focused on themselves and, and uh, providing value to their communities instead of all the craziness that's yeah. going on in the world right now. Yeah. So I think that's definitely a good thing. Um, so, yeah, I agree. The one thing yeah. that came to mind when you're saying that, the other piece of advice, though, and I, I come from service businesses, yes. so this isn't true if you want to build a technology because you got to do it differently, but debt is not liberating. People say, I raised a million dollars. I'm ready to go now. You, you either gave away a chunk of your company Yep. Which, which it may be a questionable decision when sale day comes, mm-hmm. or you took on debt, which is a burden. I mean, as soon as we lost the Chrysler business, we had a, a credit line at the time that had just about a million dollars out on it um, because, you know, cash flow and just flowing things through it. Yeah, yeah. By within a three or four months, we had paid that off entirely because um, we did not want to come into this new uncertain world where we just lost half of our business, frankly, with... 900 or a million dollars of debt that we had to service as well. Wow. And so, you know, it would have been fairly easy to say, we've got money, we've got that line, we're fine. Um, but we said, no, we're going to get back to, we're going to get to steady state. We were only using that money because of cash flow. So yep. as soon as the Chrysler money flowed in, we used it all to pay off pay the it line back, pay back. And, mm-hmm. and just moved on without that money. And we still have that line. And there's there hasn't been a dollar off that line in the three and a half years since we lost Good Chrysler. For you. That's great. And so, so you guys are 100% bootstrapped. 100% bootstrapped. Awesome. Yeah. That, that, yeah. So, so are we. That's yeah. good. That's and good. so it's it's been, it's been, on the one hand, you could argue, well, if you don't take money, you can't grow as fast. But how many stories are there of people who go up and mm. down in about 10 minutes? And, and the investors we, own you. We were, and we were talking about the flip camera, right? They went up yeah. and they went down in about 10 minutes. And they didn't even do anything wrong. The world changed around them, right? So, you know, I, I, if you're building a business to stick around, having a chunk of debt around your neck is, is not the greatest way to do it. Mm. Yeah, and, and, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot, of, uh, a lot of companies that they have, they'll have like $5 million or $10 million funding or whatever it may be. But, and that's great. You can grow quicker, but mm-hmm. you can also fail quicker. Right. Right. And then you also got to think about that, you know, I think, well, me and you are alike because, we, like I said, we're 100% bootstrapped. You, you can do you can do anything yourself. You're responsible for your, your failures or you're responsible right. for your successes. But right. if you have $10 million in funding, whatever it may be, they, these guys kind of own you in they're a gonna, way. They they're going to tell you what to do. Oh, yeah. Because they've got know? 10 million reasons to tell you yeah, what to do, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. But... 
I mean, I don't have experience in that space, but my friends who have gone through it, 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 it hasn't seemed like a great big positive for most of them. Yeah. <laughs> so no regrets. Good. Happy. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. been a fun ride. So just a few a few closing uh, questions here. I call them the, the three hows. Okay. <laughs> uh, how do you define failure? How do you define entrepreneurship? And how do you define success? Hmm. <sighs> How do you define failure? Mm -hmm. On the simplest level, it's not getting what you want. Because, I mean, I don't like to lose, but we lose all the time, right? Everybody loses all the time where you're not trying very hard. So um, losing to me, the definition is simple, um, but it's also a learning opportunity. I believe that people behave um, in a way they feel is rational, right? Mm -hmm. So if I lost, I, I need to not say they're stupid. They don't know what they're missing. Mm -hmm. I need to say, what made them think I wasn't the right answer? And so failure is a, is a learning opportunity. And, and everybody hides their failure. I, I mean, I had 99% of my failure too, but, mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't have started Ignite if I hadn't spent a year failing at my last company. I mean, I stayed there, we kept going. We didn't, we didn't close or anything, but mm -hmm. I wasn't particularly doing well. And only because of that did I start another company. So it, failure can also lead you to a good place if you'll Absolutely. let it. As there's a very big, I always say there's a very big difference between failure and giving up. Yes. Very, very big that's, difference. And I think that's, that's what. I'm going to tweet that. Yeah. That's profound. And then there's, I think that's what really makes the difference between like a boy and a man. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Is, is really, we talked about grinding hard, working yeah. hard, taking risks, persevering, overcoming adversity. Um, I think you can see, you can see um, uh, failure as. You might, you might fail at this strategy in your company or whatever it may be, but you learn from it and then you're right. going to be better for it. You, there's always ways to overcome barriers, always. You're going to find a way. Yep. If you really love what you do and you feel like you're making and a you difference. And you show up and you work. And you yeah, show up and you work. Absolutely. Right. Yep. Cool. And how do you define entrepreneurship? Um, I'll, I'll <laughs> go back to the, the willingness to put your own chip, chips on the table in an uncertain world. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's what all. That's a good quote. That's I'll tweet that too. Can you rewind that? Um, I think that's what it's all about. I, yeah. I believe in myself enough that I can do this, and I don't really know how I'm going to do it, and I don't really know um, if it'll be successful. Um, but I've mitigated the risk as much as I can in case I'm not successful, yep. and I'm going to go try and figure this out. I think that's that's entrepreneurship. Nice, I like it. And how do you define success? You know, I, I think there was a time when I would have looked at the number of employees I have or the size of the profit sharing checks at the end of the year or something like that. Um, but if I think about the times that I've been most proud of in the last decade was, you know, when we had, uh, we do company mystery trips every year where we take the whole company out of the country or out of the state on a trip. We wow. went to Paris last year. We went to Jamaica, the Dominican Republic, Mexico, just all sorts of different places. And so we, we take everybody there. And I mean, one of the happiest sort of business moments of my life was seeing the whole company interacting and engaging and thinking, these people are friends because I was willing to start something. These people have careers. They're better off in their careers because we were willing to do this. Um, you know, that sort of thing. I didn't know when I opened the doors that that's what I would look back and go, wow, that's, that, what, that's cool mm -hmm. that all those people have contributed to this and been better off because of this. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, I think, what success is at the end of the day. Great. And where can people find you? So website, social yep. media? You can probably find me on social media. I'm okay. um, Jay Tobin on Twitter. Okay. I'm J.R. Tobin on Instagram. That was a poor choice. Um, J.R. Tobin. Uh, yep, yep. But um, I'm, at, I'm at ignitesocialmedia.com, and I'm also at carousel.com, C-A-R-U-S-E-L-E.com. Those awesome. are the two companies. Cool. Everyone, Jim Tobin again. Uh, be sure to check him out. Michael Giorgio, co-founder of Imagine Ovation. And thanks for watching Tales from the Pros. Appreciate it. Jim, thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Awesome.